Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast on 101 ESPN. Scoops with Danny Mac, and away we go. Thursday edition. Again, the Cardinals kick off their 2020 season Friday night. Tomorrow against the Pirates. We'll be live all day, 7 to 6. The entire lineup of 101 on-site broadcasting just steps away from Bush Stadium from atop the Budweiser Brewhouse rooftop deck at Ballpark Village. And our opening day coverage on 101 all day this Friday brought to you by Saliga Heating and Cooling and by Rawlings. Coming up on this show, we visit with Mark Saxon of The Athletic. And so we're looking forward to that. So lots to get into. Did you take in the exhibition game yesterday? Cardinals won. KK looked good. Carlos Boy, he was sharp. We saw the bases loaded double by Tyler O'Neill. We saw Paul DeYoung go deep. And now roster decisions coming up this morning. If you missed it yesterday, well, it was fun. Brian Walton of thecardinalnation.com, my guest. And so the Cardinals trying to figure out this 30-man roster. Players get six years of Major League service time before they become free agents. They roughly get three years before they become eligible for arbitration. But that six-year time frame is extremely important because obviously that's when a player's um, earnings go up but also that they can walk so teams are motivated to try to keep a player under a full year uh, amount so that's one of the reasons Carlson is going to be down in Springfield to start the year but the main reason is of course that they want to see O'Neill and Fowler and Bader play every day and see how they do um, but in, in terms of the pitchers the pitchers are a little bit different I mean the expectation is that when Dylan Carlson comes up He's going to stay up. He's not going to ride the shuttle back and forth to Springfield every week or two. He's going to come up and he's going to start in the outfield every day or pretty close to it. On the other hand, when you're talking about the last guys at the very back of the bullpen, a bullpen that's going to have like 11 guys in it, the Oviedos and Whitleys are there basically to, to fill jobs probably until the more known guys like Alex Reyes and, and maybe Gallegos and Cabrera are ready. At some point, those and, and by the way, also in the background, the roster is going to get cut from 30 to 28 in two weeks to 26 in four weeks. And so a number of guys are, are going to go off the roster simply because there's no room for them anymore. And the Oviedos and Whitleys, even if they make the team opening day, they will ultimately get optioned to Springfield at some point in time in the year. When they go down, they have to stay down at least 10 days. That's the rules. And so once they do that, they get sent down once. They will not have a full year of service time this year. So the whole year of control becomes a non-issue, even if they start opening day. So to be interesting, we'll find out probably within the hour or two what John Mosellock, the president of baseball operations, which way he wants to go with in the back end of the bullpen. They just got within the week Gallegos, Cabrera, Reyes back. Do they make the roster? Do they feel protected? the back end there and do they want to start the clock then of Whitley and Oviedo we'll get into that with Mark Saxon of the athletic now Mike Schilt the manager of the St. Louis Cardinals getting ready we're just over 24 hours away from the first pitch of the 2020 season you know it's really um we're ready to play baseball we're ready to, we're ready to play and um you know it's about going out and being ready game one and, and we're ready to play on Friday against the Pirates and and um you know, we're going to get after every single day and, you know, we're process driven. We, we, we understand it's a results business, but um, I alluded to it earlier. We'll just continue to be the best to getting better as the game goes, the series goes, the season goes. And, and um, our preparation is we're ready for it. We're ready to go and um, we'll be ready on Friday and we'll, we'll start the process 
in an official capacity, but you know the groundwork's been laid, and, and we'll just continue to do what we do, which is engage in preparation and look to execute and, and enjoy what we do. I tell you what, Mike Schilt, his staff, Ali Marmol, you know Stubby Clap, Pop Warner, the entire coaching staff, really good job. I've always said this from day one. He is a tremendous communicator. Many of the guys that he has on this team, like a Colton Wong, for instance, he had in the minor leagues. And they always talk about they'd be willing to run through a wall for this guy because he communicates. He's honest. He's going to tell you what you want to hear sometimes. And a lot of times he's going to tell you what you don't want to hear. And during the quarantine, he was on Zoom calls. He was reaching out to guys. They would have segmented portions of the roster that he would talk to, whether it was relievers, pitchers, middle infielders, reaching out constantly. Communication. That's all you wanted to hear. Where do I stand? What do you think? What do you want from me? Constant communication. Now, one of the things going forward, 60-game season, there's going to be tough conversations. Guys are going to get off to good starts. That's the easy part. You're in the lineup. Guys that don't, you're going to have to sit. That's the hard part. And there's going to be some veterans that maybe don't get off to good starts. That's a tough conversation. You got to sit. I got to ride the hot hand. Or you're a pitcher. You're out there two innings. You're getting beat up. You got to come out. This isn't a regular season. That's where Mike separates himself. He's very, very good with that. We'll see how he manages this season. I think there's more pressure on managers this year than ever before. 60-game season, managers play an important role this year because they're managing in a pennant race, and it starts tomorrow night. I think one of the guys that has a breakout season, if you want to call it a breakout year because he had 30 home runs a year ago, got off to a great start, finished with a flourish. Hey, 30 home runs is a shortstop. He's got three of the top four best home run seasons by a shortstop in Cardinals history, the number one season overall. That's Paul DeYoung. Went deep again yesterday. He's got a sweet swing. He's taking the ball the other way. It's been fun to watch. Manager Mike Schilt. I think Paul DeYoung's gotten solid. And, you know, we use the word consistency. He's gotten, he, you know, since he's been in the big leagues, he's constantly improved in all aspects of his game. I know you're asking about the offensive side of it, but he's really been conscientious about being a, a con- consistent performer defensively, seeing the game, and he's, and he's really, you know, a, a smart player that now has even more experience, and he's used that experience to, to see, see the field better. So I'm super pleased with Paulie for that. I think you can carry that over to offensively. He's learned to be more consistent with his approach. Um, he's been able to slow things down. He's been able to take the at-bat that is necessary based on the situation. And the fact of the matter, he, he happens to hit fourth doing it. Yeah, hitting fourth as a shortstop. The other thing you're going to notice, range. I love his range to his left. What I'm noticing here in the last couple of weeks being down at the ballpark, range to the hole. Made a great play the other day, ranged to his right, and made the play ranging to his right, showing off his arm. Now, you think about ranging to your right and keeping a ball in the infield if you're a shortstop or the runner at second. That saves a run. He's a good all-around player. He's locked up for a long time. I hear everybody say, go get Lindor, go get this guy. Well, think about the economics of the sport, too. you got a shortstop locked up for a long time. Look, I love Lindor. I love a lot of I love a lot of players. But this guy is a good good player. Looking forward to watching him play. If you watched the game yesterday, how about Carlos Martinez? The pace at which he was throwing. That's number 1. And then the velocity. The velocity was down a little bit. I no problem with that because in the tank if he had it, he had mid 90s. But all he was doing was just getting the ball 
throwing strikes, and it was dancing. It was like he was throwing a wiffle ball. It was unbelievable. So much fun to watch. Yeah, no, I think, you know, Carlos has always been a very good, I'll make sure I capture this right in his career. Um, he's always been a tremendous competitor. Um, I mean, a tremendous competitor. And he's always had confidence. I mean, that's one of the things that I've appreciated about him, even going back to 2012. You know, this is a guy that loves to compete, loves big moments, and loves... Um, and, and is confident in himself appropriately. Now what you're seeing is him keeping that focus consistently. And I do feel like he does feel good. He's recovering well. I think that links to your question about the body language. Um, and he's just in a good spot mentally and physically, and he's enjoying what he's doing, and I love watching him pitch. That's part of the relationship that Mike has with players. He grew up, Martinez did, with Shilton, the minor leagues, he knows him very, very well, can get the best out of him. And believe me, they know that what they're doing with Carlos Martinez, and he could go in the back end of the, the bullpen. And if need be, he may before this season is over. We don't know. We don't know. May happen. But to get the most out of him right now, they put him in the rotation. And the other night, he looked okay. Yesterday, he looked awesome. I love this soundbite I'm about to play with Chipper Jones. I know some of you may have watched the streaming games and you said, eh, the sound, the the, the crowd noise, eh, it's, it's artificial. I don't like it. I don't think you would like to hear an empty ballpark. And then you listen to the game with the parabolic mics that we had with Fox Sports Midwest sounded a lot different because we had those mics down on the crowd or down on the, uh, f- the field. So you could hear it a lot better. And Chipper Jones, the Hall of Famer, talked about why you want to have those in those games. It's important. I've said this for quite some time now. They better pipe in some crowd noise at these baseball games because I can tell you one thing about baseball players. They are lippy. They are chirpy. (laughs) All right? Somebody goes high and tight on one of their hitters. Somebody from the opposite dugout is going to say something, and that pitcher is going to hear it. And if he can pinpoint who it is, Watch out. You might have your little brouhaha on your hands because, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just telling you, you better crank up the, the crowd noise. A lot of people aren't a fan of the crowd noise, but I think it's going to save people <laughs> from getting their feelings hurt sometimes. Not only that, but you think about the positioning that Yadier Molina is always using behind the plate. You know, when you're watching a game, you're always having Yadi direct traffic, if you will, before a pitch and yelling out to the defense. Sometimes he does it with hand signals, but you're also hearing the spikes in the dirt when he's moving. you got to have some type of crowd noise. I know Joe Girardi was even talking about that, the former catcher, now the manager of the Phillies. He said you got to have some type of noise to where you can't hear the catcher moving behind home plate. So as part of the strategy of the game, you got to have some uh, noise there as well. So keep that in mind. All right, something that Major League Baseball on this opening day tonight, it's opening night with the Yankees and the Nationals playing. They still are trying to figure out what to do with the Blue Jays. Jeff Passan of ESPN. If the Baltimore Orioles are willing to host them and if the state of Maryland is willing to allow them in and to allow you know, 30 more games into the state, that that's, that's the most desirable spot. What's the likeliest? I think it depends. I mean, if you're the Blue Jays players, would you rather, because you want to play in a big league ballpark, spend more of your games 
if perhaps all of your games on the road and use those as your quote unquote home games, or would you rather go like Triple A Buffalo? And uh, you know, right now Buffalo doesn't have approval from Major League Baseball, so this concept of being a road warrior is very much alive at this point. And I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think it might actually be the, the you know the odds-on favorite at this point for what the Blue Jays are going to do. Seems like they may have to do that. Buffalo lighting is a, a con, you know a concern for them. Also aspect of social distancing with a dugout and in the clubhouse. Now, I think the dugout could be rectified because you saw in the game yesterday the canopies that they put down the right and the left field line. So you could probably get socially distanced there. Lighting, night games, you want them, uh, you know, in prime time, these games for television reasons to maximize dollars. That's important. Um, tough on the players to be on the road for 60 days, but it's only 60 days, a couple of months. Easy for me to say, but that's something that uh, Major League Baseball is having to deal with, and they're going to have to get this thing figured out in the next 24 hours. And Dan, do you remember how bad it was in New York? Can you imagine if we were talking about this with the Yankees having to play every game in the road because baseball's like, hey, we're not playing here. We got to stay away. Can you imagine if it was the Yankees that we were talking about this with? Yeah, I, it's a professional sports team, though. I mean, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, it's the Yankees, right? I mean, New York Yankees. Right. Um, and the World Series favorites are the Dodgers, too. I mean, Dodgers, you know, a prominent team. But having said what you just said, you are talking about, in a way, Canada's team, a nation's team. It's a great point. You know? That's a big deal. Uh, First time not having baseball in Canada for decades. Think about that. To to counter your point, yeah, that that's a big deal. Um, It's not ideal, and and who knows where we're at with the virus in two months? Think about where we were two months ago. That's why you have to be ready to move on the fly. Literally move on the fly and have contingency plans in place. I think baseball has done just an incredible job. You know, if you go back to the 4th of July, and I'll get into this with Mark Saxon, but if you go back to the 4th of July and coming out of that, I remember celebrating with my family the 4th of July and then getting on the air, um, I guess that Monday after that weekend, and there were teams that did not practice. And there was testing, real problems. I mean, testers did not show up. And the results for some teams were not available. And I thought for sure... And I would have understood it completely that some players would have just said, this is crazy. What are we doing? You know, I mean, I I can't walk into the ballpark because I don't know if the guy next to me is positive or negative because we don't have the test results. And I mean to tell you, I mean, just think about it. You know, we're, we're supposed to, we agreed to all this stuff and all of a sudden the testing isn't right. And we don't know who's positive or negative and the tests aren't there. And I mean, literally the testers, if for lack of a better word, didn't show up. And I give these guys all the credit in the world. They said, okay, we're going to go home. We'll come back tomorrow. Baseball said they're going to get this thing right. And by God, they did. And they got into a rhythm of this thing. And only I I thought we'd see more opt-outs. I really did. I I thought we'd see more opt-outs. I really thought we would. And we haven't. And these guys have stuck with it. I think they felt there's a responsibility, many of them. Maybe not all. Maybe just some of them felt I wanted to play the game because I love it. 
A lot of them probably felt I need to do it for my livelihood because I'm a young man. I got a chance to make more money next year and the year after that and so on and so forth. But I think others felt that they looked at it as a responsibility to the greater good of the sport, um, their union, their brethren, and by the way, to the American people that need a diversion. So they decided to do this. And I, I mean, I applaud them. And if we have to shut it down, we have to shut it down. But I don't see that happening. I mean, the way this thing is going and where the results are um, in terms of the positive test, man, it's it's working. It is working. Right. Do you think it would have been any different had we had games that weekend? I mean, think about how many people were like, Fourth of July, that's when baseball's starting. That's when we're getting going. Would have been ideal. And then tests not show up, and then you couldn't have had games? Well, you would have had, though, prior to that, three or four weeks of spring training. So you would have had some of those bugs out. So you think? But do you think that would have sped up the process of how much they had to get ready? Do you think they waited until, like, okay, baseball's on, and now let's figure out testing? No, no, no. What I'm saying is you would have had the testing in place prior to that. I mean, you would have had three or four weeks of spring training. So some of those bugs in that system of trying to make this thing work would have been done prior to that. You know, I mean, you wouldn't have just shown up and said, well, here, we're going to start testing. You would have had that three or four weeks prior to that. We couldn't have just shown up and said, well, let's go. Um, It's unfortunate we didn't start then because you would have had the attention of the American public. You would have also because you would have been the only sport back. Um, and you would add more games, but as Rob Manfred said in the interview with Dan Patrick, paraphrasing, he said, um, we had no intention of playing more than 60 games. And maybe that was a byproduct of, look, we didn't want to expose more people to more time on the road. You know, we just wanted to play 60 games and get through it. Now, what I do find interesting is that, and I said this Um, when they came to the agreement and now they're trying to do this and I think this is great Uh, there was a report late last night also this morning they are trying to expand the playoffs to 16 teams and I don't know if Randy and Michelle got into this this morning Um, they have until I believe first pitch tonight to try to do this I don't know if it can be discussed once the first pitch is delivered or not but this is a great thing this would be awesome for the game I would love to see this happen because this creates not only more drama regular season, but more postseason drama. So if you go from 10 to 16 teams in a 60-game regular season, just think about this. You know, by August 31st, which is the trade deadline, conceivably, you've got 27 teams that are probably still in it. I mean, really, in by that amount of time, you're, you're still in it. I mean, I was doing some numbers through what would be August 31st, you're looking at 26, 27 teams realistically in the race. You'd have four or five that are probably out of it. That's it. Um, And the playoff tiebreakers, by that time, by the end of the season, ton of them. You could have a ton of them. Um, So this would be great if it happens. I would love to see him do it. So there is a chance before the end of the day, potentially, if these reports are true, that you could have 16 playoff teams and I I just think that's great for the sport more playoff teams more drama um, more interest in your game I, I just think in this season why not have fun with it
Um, Mookie Betts signing for a huge contract, nearly $400 million. ESPN analyst Jessica Mendoza. Mookie Betts is one of the biggest stars in the game, and I'm excited that he is going to play for one of the biggest franchises, and we're going to see him for a long time. There is no one, I feel like, body type-wise, personality-wise, set up for a major, huge contract better than Mookie Betts for over a decade because of what he's able to not only do in these next five or six years, but even on the back end, where, again, there's a lot of skepticism. I mean, he is a small-stature guy, super athletic, and it's not that Albert Pujols huge person that as you're starting to age, you see those numbers start to decline. I am pumped not only for L.A., but for baseball because we get to see a whole lot more of Mookie Betts. Pumped uh, for baseball, no doubt. This is a long-term signing clearly for the Dodgers. It's a long-term plan, but in the big picture of things, in a pandemic, to get this done, that kind of money, good thing for baseball. Uh, 314, this is for you. Scott, good to have you back on 101 uh, with you, uh, Carriker, Smallman, and Scoops. That's Ryan D. Ryan D, a buddy of yours? Uh, I th- Maybe, Ryan. I would I'm hope not so. sure, but I appreciate you reading that, Dan. Yeah, uh, I'm happy to be back here with you. 636 seems that some broadcasts trying to find optimal volume for TV. When it's too loud, it's a distraction. I think it's a work in progress as we... Uh, go forward. Danny Mack, great to have you and the Redbirds back on Fox Sports Midwest yesterday. Thank you. 657AO if you want to get into this. Uh, Stood out to me on your broadcast uh, yesterday, Danny Mack. You talked about short direct swings from Tyler and Pauly D. Pauly D definitely. um, And yes, I noticed that from O'Neal. He's not as big up top. That was by design. We know how strong he is. He's lost a little weight. That was by design in spring training that carried over throughout the quarantine. He's kept it off. Um, Flexibility is something that he's worked on. All right, run a little bit late. We'll get to Mark Saxon, 101 ESPN. And that is coming up next. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. We are just over 24 hours away from the home opener for the St. Louis Cardinals. And tonight, Major League Baseball kicks off with the Washington Nationals and the New York Yankees. Uh, There were some that thought we would never get to this spot, and yet here we are with Major League Baseball. It is ready to go. It'll be a race to the finish with a 60-game season. And joining us, our team at uh, 101 is Mark Saxon from The Athletic. Does an amazing job covering the St. Louis Cardinals and MLB. Mark, always great to hear your voice. How are things? Things are good, man. Isn't it crazy? Like You think about the effort that so many people took to get us to this point. Um, it almost seemed to me at any, at any rate, like at times it wasn't going to happen. Um, but they did a pretty good job with it. And I, and I think for, especially from the Cardinals perspective, they, they feel pretty good about this now. And so, but what's amazing is, you know, as big and Herculean as that effort felt like here we are and now it's just the beginning. Right. And we have to see how it goes, but God, it's just so fun to think about watching games tonight. And then, you know, the Cardinals getting it underway tomorrow, isn't it? It, it really is. I, I felt like coming out of the 4th of July, just to get the, the agreement, the economic agreement was one thing, and then the testing was so bumpy at the 4th of July. That weekend, the holiday weekend, there was tests that were late. There were testers that didn't show up, and I thought, well, this could be it. You know, it's just not going to work. Players are going to go home and say, this is crazy. But to their credit, they they stayed with it. And once that happened... And they got a rhythm to this, and players got in a rhythm with their home ballparks and summer camp. Then I thought, 
okay, this has got a shot. And sure enough, there was a rhythm to it. And and once that happened, Mark, I just got the feeling like, okay, this has a chance to work. Yeah, I was in the, exactly the same boat as you at that in that time frame. And then, you know, you got the sense that Major League Baseball is just going to kind of plow through it. You know, for, you know, barring something absolutely, you know, uh, you know, catastrophic, you know, 10 plus guys, you know, going on the IL at the same time for testing positive, something like that on one team. They're just going to keep going and, and, and it's going to look different. Um, you know, just two days ago, Hunter Dozier tested positive and but, but they're just going to keep going. And, and as long as, you know, someone doesn't get extremely sick, they're just going to have teams adjust and, and bring up guys from their satellite camps. But it's baseball, and, and I don't think that anything these guys are going through is, is particularly riskier than what the rest, rest of us are going through. And so, you know, they're, they're making it happen. And, you know, it, it will be something, I think, that restores a sense of familiar, familiarity and, and is, is reassuring to a lot of people. That's the thing that stood out to me is, you know, we got to the ballpark yesterday and we hear about Hunter Dozier, who's supposed to be in the middle of the Royals lineup. And not to make light of it, but it was kind of like, okay, well, tested positive. He's out 14 days and all right. I mean, this is a middle-of-the-lineup type guy for the Royals, and he's going to miss opening night. He's going to miss the first couple of, of weeks, and you just move on. And I guess that's the way we have to accept this. It's a huge blow for the Royals, but in the big picture, that's how teams are going to have to accept what's going on in Major League Baseball, isn't it? Yeah, and I think teams are a little more equipped for this than maybe we think as fans and as media members because – you know, for years you've been hearing teams say, you know, if, if a superstar player gets injured um, or even an ace pitcher has a major injury like Tommy John, when you talk to executives in baseball, they typically say, well, what are you going to do? It's not like the rest of the league is going to pause and feel sorry for us. You got to keep going. You plug in the next guy and you go. And so that's a good way to think about this season, just on a little more extreme level. Right. Um, but it, they're going to go through with it. And, Again, it, it seems relatively safe to me. They're, they're, they're testing them a lot. Um, we'll see how it goes, but I'm cautiously optimistic like you are. Mark Saxon of The Athletic is my guest. Does a great job covering the Cardinals. Okay, summer camp is, is finished up. In a general sense, uh, how well positioned are the Cardinals going into opening night 2020? What do you think? You know, I think it was really reassuring to see two guys look really good in camp, and that was Matt Carpenter and Tyler O'Neill. Um, because we still don't have any answers to the question of, are they going to be able to score, you know, the, a number of, enough, enough runs to be a real serious world series contender. Like we, it, it's pretty obvious they have enough pitching and defense that they're going to be competitive. But I do think that that question is going to hang over this team until it no longer hangs over the team because they prove it's not an issue. Um, and I see those two guys as absolutely pivotal in this, as is Paul Goldschmidt, of course, Paul DeYoung, and everybody else. But seeing that impact bat that Mark, Matt Carpenter can be look a little more like an impact bat, I think, reassured some people. It's incredible in doing these games, uh, and I did a lot of the, the inter-squad games, did the game yesterday. The difference we forgot, I think, uh, at least I did, I forgot 
the difference that Matt Carpenter can make and how he changes the look of this lineup. It's a different-looking lineup when he is Matt Carpenter of old and makes up for maybe the the blemishes in this lineup that we saw a year ago. Yeah, that's 100% right. When you see him, you know, pulling the ball, you know, deep to right field and then, you know, a couple at-bats later slashing a ball to left center, that that's encouraging. Now, does it mean that he's going to do what he did for three, three and a half months in 2018 and get MVP votes? We really don't know. You know, you, you do have to, you know, the caveat, of course, is that he's 34 years old. You don't typically see big career upticks in that age demographic, but you do see them. And if last year was an outlier, and I think you could argue he was dealing with a little more physically earlier in the season than the team ever let on, if that was the case and last year was an outlier, hugely important news for this team. But again, I think it's a story that's sort of ongoing rather than established at this point. So we know O'Neill gets the first crack in left. If it's a normal season, I think you give him 30, 45 games to get settled have a good stretch, have bad stretches, get settled in. In a 60-game stretch, it's the question I get all the time. How long do you give Lane Thomas, Bader, maybe even Fowler, um, O'Neal? How long do you give those guys to get settled in? What, what's your opinion on that? Well, it's such a great question, Danny, and, the, and the, none of us know because only one person's opinion on that matters, and that's Mike Schilt. I don't think – you know, he is – had to adjust lineups based on performance, but we really haven't seen him have to make that really difficult decision of calling in a veteran who is one of his team leaders, one of his best paid players on the roster, one of his faces of the franchise and say, look, we're going a different direction in the lineup. And so I don't know what that actual number is. And I get that question a lot. Um, But I think most people would agree that, when every game is worth nearly three times as many as a pre as a typical regular season game, it's got to be quicker than it normally would. So I don't really have an answer for that number either, but you know, I think people are talking in terms of terms of week increments versus month increments. So that's a good place to start. I think the players have made the adjustment with fans in no stands and the crowd being piped in. I think there'll be adjustments as we go along in the season and how that works even on the telecast. What do you think of that so far? Uh, It's a little weird. um, I'm not a huge fan, by the way, of the virtual fan. It it just really weirds me out when when they ask the virtual fans. Uh, I think Fox National Games are going to add that. It just looks like MLB The Show. I'm not a big fan of blurring reality and and digital life. But, you know, I, I think one of the reasons in terms of the crowd noise it's just so teams feel like they have some sense of privacy. Every time Yachty yells to one of the infielders to move two feet to his left or something, the other team's going to hear it. If you're playing in a totally empty stadium, it's just a little weird. You're going to hear every guy who's un- unhappy with the home plate umpire. You're going to hear, I guess it's a little bit like a Tampa Bay Rays game, <laughs> but um <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. We'll have to see how that develops. Carlos going in the rotation. Kim looked awesome in the back end. Both looked really good yesterday. What do you think of that decision by Mike Schild? I I thought Carlos Martinez, if he's healthy as a rotation piece, is kind of a no-brainer. Um, just look how good he was from 2015 to 2017. I think it's fair to say he was the best starting pitcher on the team. And 
while he may have been passed by Jack Flaherty, he's still really, really good. When he's throwing strikes and he knows where it's going, there's nobody with really a better arsenal, I don't think, in Major League Baseball or, or a very elite group. Um, so that that's a smart decision. I didn't totally get the Kim decision because he hasn't pitched in relief. But, boy, did he look good yesterday, hitting 94 and with an 82-mile-an-hour curveball and everything in between. I mean, he really could be a puzzle, and especially when you think about a guy coming from a foreign league. I, I don't think guys are going to be looking at as much video this year. So his advantage as being a veteran who's, you know, unleashed on a league that's not familiar with him, that's going to be a real edge, especially earlier in the year. I really felt, and I know it's the Royals and they're rebuilding, but I really felt yesterday could be a sign of things to come, meaning that the Cardinals against the secondary pitching is where they're going to beat teams. So even if their offense isn't where it was a few years ago, um, and if they struggle offensively, which is the question going into the season, we'll see how it plays out. That's where they're going to beat teams. Their depth and pitching is going to keep them in games. That's where they're going to wear teams out. Second game of a series, third game of a series, sixth inning of a game early on because teams just don't have pitchers going deep. I, I just think, Mark, that's where they're going to beat teams. What do you think? Yeah, that's absolutely right. I think yesterday is kind of what it's going to look like when they play the Royals and the Tigers and arguably the Pirates, right? So the the Royals really don't have any, you know, veteran pitchers who throw strikes. So they'd walk nine guys yesterday. The Cardinals offense is competent enough to turn that into some runs. <clears throat> and as you said, when they go to their bullpen, they're going to be bringing in Ponce de Leon and Gomber and and Kim and and Ryan Halsey, like guys who are who have done some things in the major leagues and, and can throw strikes and have good stuff as opposed to these other teams that don't have that kind of depth. So that does keep the game within reach. I think the bigger question is when you're facing the Brewers who are going to put up some runs, even if you pitch, they just have too much depth. They're going to put up some runs most games. When you're facing the Cubs, they're going to put up some runs. Um, some of the, certainly the twins are going to put up runs. So I think the question isn't so much, Again, is this a competitive team? Is Do they have enough to sort of go toe-to-toe when they're playing the Dodgers if they ever if they do play them in the playoffs or some of the teams I mentioned? So I absolutely do agree with you that pitching depth, it's imp- impossible to imagine this team not being competitive. Mark Saxon is my guest from The Athletic. We'll see that rosters have to be turned in this morning across Major League Baseball. What are the uh, decisions as they get to that 30-man roster with Brad Miller going on the IL? How does that, uh, and we know that Brett Cecil has been released, so what are the decisions still looming for the Cardinals as uh, that deadline looms? Well, the first thing is a 30-man roster is is absurdly big, right? I mean, this is more of a September look than a regular season look. Um, it's almost like everybody's going to make it now. I, I don't know that Johan Oviedo will make it. Um, but I think Cody Whitley will make it. Um, I think that, you know, if you're Hennessy Cabrera, you got a shot now because of what happened with Brett Cecil, you know, depending on whether he's ready and healthy and all those things. Um, Brad Miller being hurt, that opens the door. You know, Austin Dean certainly, I think, will make this team. So um, they're going to have plenty of guys to go to, and that, and that bullpen's going to be ridiculous. They're going to have. I think either 11 or 12 people in that bullpen alone. So covering innings is not going to be a problem. Um, 
the, you know, I, I think the bigger question for this team is more on the impact side and the everyday lineup. In terms of Friday night, we've heard that uh, there's going to be a unifying aspect of the team with the national anthem. Correct me if I'm wrong. What, what are you expecting to see on Friday night? Yeah, so so Mike Schilt and Jack Flaherty both said that there was going to be some gesture um, toward social justice, and it sounds like they will um, stencil in or, or have on the mound a, a Black Lives Matter message. And, you know, it's just very unusual. You know, you think of opening opening day and Cardinals, you know, tradition is typically the Clydesdales and the Hall of Famers and tradition. Now it's about confronting, you know, really changing and progressive social movement. So it's, it's a very unusual look for this team. I think for some of the fan base who maybe are not aligned entirely with those views, it's going to be uh, maybe a little different, but the team is committed to what they view as a human rights issue. And that they're not going to back off of that. And the league has embraced it as well. And so I, I think that it's a sign that society is moving. There's progress and people are just going to have to decide whether they want to get on board with that. Central Division, as we wrap it up with Mark Saxon, are the Cardinals the team to beat? Who do you like in the Central? You know, that Brewers team is a little scary to me. And we all know how good their bullpen can be if Josh Hader keeps going. What if Corbin Burns and Woodruff are as good as they can be? That That's that's a dangerous team to me, and it's been dawning on me lately to, to look out for that team. You know, look at the lineup depth in there. I, I, if you if you could you know force me to pick a team, I would pick them to win the the central right now. But my God, in a sixty game season, it's going to be absolutely competitive. I can't see any of these contenders other than the Pirates falling out of it early, which has really really surprised me. So it's going to be fun and just roll with it and see where everything goes and enjoy these games because there is going to be great comp- competition out there. And you know, I know you agree because you're always a fan of professional athletes gathering for fierce competition you bet i am i'm so excited about it it'll be friday night six o'clock on fox sports midwest the pregame show seven fifteen, the first pitch and we get it going and mark uh mark saxon will have it all covered at the athletic hey mark thanks so much i appreciate it great talking to you danny see you tomorrow night that's mark saxon of the athletic more of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Ribs BK coming up on 101 ESPN. We head out to Centene and uh, BK, what do you have coming up? Well, BK's just rolling in. This guy's so dedicated that he was putting the finishing touches on the rundown. But Danny, I can tell you that we got a busy schedule today. we got a great day. We're going to talk a little bit about Major League Baseball, the expanded playoffs. That's, that's interesting to us how the owners are somehow getting their way in all of this. Uh, we've also got Coach Eli Drinkwitz from Mizzou at Good. 1130. Our buddy Joey Vitale at 12 to talk a little bit of Blues hockey. And speaking of Blues hockey, we've got the one and only Ryan O'Reilly coming up at 1230. So, uh... We have a great day ahead of us, buddy. Awesome. Ribs BK coming up, 101 ESPN. You have been listening to the TV voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, Scoops with Danny Mack on 101 ESPN.